this is the atmosphere that you create because you want to come down to meet your people, Lord. Lord, you eagerly want to fellowship us uh, far more than what we want to fellowship with you. Lord, you eagerly want to make yourself become a reality to us far more than we desire. But Lord, tonight we come in with an open heart, with a sincere heart. Lord, come down and again to fellowship with your people, Lord. Lord, we have a space in our heart for you to dwell. Lord, we open our heart for you to come in to make yourself become more real than ever in our life. So that we can worship you, we can have faith on you, we can love you, Lord. Oh God, just make yourself once more real to us, Lord. Lord, we pray that you speak your word to your people, feed your sheep. Lord, this is your sheep, and this is not my sheep, not anybody else's sheep. This is the call to the bride of Jesus Christ. This is the one that Jesus Christ has shed the blood for. Lord, you bought us, you purchased us. Lord, you make us become a valuable, Lord. Our value is because your blood has manifested in our life. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we just commit ourselves tonight to you and ask you, Lord, open up your word and speak to your children. How we thankful, Lord, that you speak your word this morning. Lord, that you come, come down, it was so real to us. Lord, it's not just history, but it's the God, it's the reality it's today. Lord, what good to just believe a historical God without a God being today and still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory. Lord, we ask you when we open up the word. Lord, may you jump out from the pages and jump out from all the ink on the paper and make yourself speak to us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It's the Lord. And let's uh, turn to the scripture. First King. Thank you for the musician. First uh, King, let's turn to the chapter 18. It was a marvelous service this morning. And so I told Brother Tom, I said, I'm sure you got a part two. And I, you know, I'll be, I'll be more than willing to let him to the preach part two and part three. And so if we can ever recognize who we are, uh, we don't have to preach. If we recognize who we are, we just get out of here and to be ever with our God. I just pray that the Lord make that become a day by day. And become more real than yesterday. And if tomorrow come more real than today. And so that we can be an invincible army, Brother George. Amen. Let's turn to uh, the, uh, chapter 18 and verse 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Are thou he that troubles Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel. But thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandment of the Lord, and thou hast followed Belim. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the grove four hundred, which eat at a Jezebel table. So we have said unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophet together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long 
equality between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Let's turn to, uh, just uh, uh, turn to one page to 36. It's still the same chapter. Chapter 18, verse 36. And it came to pass at a time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, The Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, that it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the, fir- then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Amen. May the Lord bless His word. You may be seated. Uh, I would uh, like to speak a, speak a title. How long halty between two opinions? It might go to a different direction than what you think, uh, but I'll try uh, see if I can finish the uh, uh, finish the tonight. And we're living in an age there is so much fantasy. In this age, there is a lot of uh, uh, illusion, and the illusion becomes so eluded that the people think it is a it's a reality. And so, in the Second Timothy. Chapter 2 and verse 10. It said that with all deceitfulness and of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that it might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion. That they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had a pleasure in unrighteousness. And the, the people, they tend to live in the delusion. Because if that's in delusion, doesn't need them to, uh, to put a lot of work into it. Doesn't need them to put a labor on it. Uh, people that live in the delusion, uh, they doesn't have to, um, uh, put a lot of, um, uh, you know, there's no tear, there's no, uh, um, no, um, disaster, there's no, uh, hurt, there's no feeling hurt and this, that. That's the people, that's why they go to drugs. That's why the, the people, the, uh, the, uh, the people that go to the video games and the different things. Because uh, they, they find the comfort in the delusion. Right. And then you'll find out that, uh, Jesus Christ, that He said, um, you make your, uh, the make the belief of a God become a tradition. And because they make it into the, into the tradition, they make the word of a God uh, have no effect on the people. Then you would start thinking why people can make the word of God become a tradition. And you have to think about and even the Christian world, that it what we call it even today. And the God is not just a God right now. God become a God of just a history. God become a just a historical God. It was a something that God has done many years ago. It's the God that, uh, you forgive me, I'm under the weather a little bit. And uh, the God has just become uh, 2,000 years ago that He was uh, 
uh, came down, you know, then to speak to the, the people. And, uh, you know, there is uh, some stories in, in the Bible. They tell about Elijah. They tell about Moses and the different things. And they all just become a storytelling. And you think about the, uh, this uh, Christmas that we're having. It's all about the tradition. It's all about some illusion. And people rather to live in this delusion than they even live in the reality. Because to live in a delusion doesn't cost them anything. Actually, it gives them more comfort than to live in a reality. Living in a reality that is more hurt. Living in a reality that needs to pay them, they must have put a cost on it. Living in a reality needs them to put a labor, they have to work, they have to do a lot of things to make this reality that to work for them. But people tend to live in a delusion, they don't have to do anything. They just indulge themselves in that and that everything seems is okay. But when they come out of the, from the delusion, and then that's what is the hurt to come. That is what is the labor, that's what is the work that need to be. And you find out in the Christian world, that the people that go to the confusion, and they, uh, they come to another point, they tend to, and they love to make God just a history. Because if God all of a sudden become a reality, it just turned our whole world upside down. They love to make it a God. It just become a 2,000 years ago. And then he was to come and he loved everybody. You know, he, he was to come in the manger and he died on the cross. And, uh, and then you can cry and you can, you can see whatever that you want to see. It doesn't cost you to pay anything on it. But that is just a tradition. And it, because if there's a tradition, the tradition make the word of a God become a, have a no effect on the people. And then, uh, uh, let me quote you, the Brother Branham said, um, uh, uh, there was a quite a long, I'll, I'll just uh, paraphrase it. Then the one time, uh, he was uh, uh, in the vision. In the vision, he said, uh, you know, there's a two, uh, two young women, and the Brother Branham wanted to uh, buy a perfume for uh, his wife. And then uh, he asked, he gave it a one dollar bill, but it turned to be a five dollar Canadian bill. And uh, the, uh, the woman said, oh, you gave me the wrong bill. And uh, so I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a missionary. Uh, then the lady, uh, uh, I said, I'm a missionary, I went to Canada, you know, they gave him a, uh, so he gave him a $5 Canadian bill instead of $1 American bill. And then the, the lady said, uh, said, oh, you're a missionary. And then the, Brother Bram said, yes, ma'am. He said, and while I was uh, talking, or looking at her, she looked over to the next woman. There was a two lady here. And she kind of nodded her head and she said, dear, do you believe that Brother Branham is right? That a woman today will have to live like he told us with uh, a cutting of our hair and a wearing of a, uh, a pair and things like that? So don't you think that he's wrong in that? And she said, yes. And she said, go ahead, honey. He said, you Ruth, or whatever the name is. She said, you have the inspiration, say it. And well, quickly, Brother Branham said, I knew I was in the vision. So I knew that there was uh, them two women, always, that both oneness and the Trinity Church. There they were standing there and said, said, yes, I don't think we should because we have never seen his eyes. We have never seen his makeup. Talk about Jesus. He said that we wouldn't know what he looked like. So why would we do it? That's reasonable. And I had on... An old patrol suit. And I said to the woman. I said just a moment my sister. See you do have to live just according to the Bible. 
no matter how it was. She said, but we never lived back there. And we never seen him. And I said, but I have seen him. And I said, the thing of is, I thought, Lord, now I'm before two great smart churches. Now you got to give me wisdom. And so then I heard myself, God talking. I want you to examine it. Never thought of it in my life. I said, and a man today has to be like he was then. Because he was the same man. He's made up of five senses. And if his student look at him right in the face, he would still have to have that sixth sense of faith. To believe him, no matter what he looks like, he will, he'd have to believe him anyhow. So the prophet told us that in that vision, that uh, the woman made a reasonable uh, plea, and she said, uh, I never saw Jesus. I don't know what he's look like. I never in the old time. I never in the 2000 years when he was nailed on the cross. I never walked with him on the lake of Galilee. If we put it today's version, I never in the prophet's time. I never with the brother Branham. I never fished with him. I never hunted with him. How do I know that is the truth? And how do I know that Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever? How do I know the cloud is right? How do I know the pillar of fire is the truth? I was not there. How do I know that person's a cancer is healed or it doesn't come back again? How do I know that a, the ball of a tumor was fall from the neck and on the ground? How do I know all these things? I'm thank God there's a man here. He was there. And he know what's happened. His parents uh, what's happened. You have no excuse. And the, the prophet can do the same thing. Those the people never saw Jesus, never experienced Jesus, never do all those things. But everything that they do, that was a totally manifest of what is the Jesus of 2,000 years ago, that is the still same yesterday, today, and forever. People have no excuse of it. But the people try to make it as a reason. And the, the reason they make it is as a tradition, because of the people, they never lived it before. They never know that what it uh, look like in, the, in that history. And the reason they make it as it becoming a, uh, the tradition, because they never saw that a person. They never live in those times. If a person that lived in the time of Alexander the Great, and they will witness everything that Alexander did. They will go to war with Alexander. They will witness how he defeated the Persian army. How he go to the, uh, uh, I forgot the name, I think Guatemala or something. That on the plan, that how he uh, used just, uh, I think the 40,000 uh, soldiers that defeated almost a million Persian. And he's a genius. And he was so brave, he doesn't fear nothing. But today when we talk about Alexander, this is all history. And because the people, they never lived in it before. And the one the person that in that history passed away, it all become a history. Yes. One that person, no matter how great he is, no matter how many great things that he done, but when that person passed away, that everything become just a past. And then all the things after that, people will make it as become a tradition. People will make it just as a drama. People will make it just as some story that used to be. 
And when people do that, they tend to make that more fancier. That's what the Hollywood had did. So they make it Alexander. Instead of just a short guy, got a stinky mouth, and just uh, don't know what to do. I mean, not don't know what to do, but his his stinky mouth. They don't have a toothbrush in those times. You have to understand that. And I'm just a short guy, and just on the horse, and probably doesn't take a bath or whatsoever. And they have an accent, had a broken teeth, and uh, maybe talking just like a, a, a common other person. But now they make it a greater uh, Alexander the Great with a curly hair, with a brow shoulder, and how brave it is, how genius it is. That's what is the, today's people they try to do, because they never live in there. And he cannot come back. So they try to make the history become more fancier. They try to make the, the, in another word, they try to re, um, re and, uh, renan, renanact? Is that a word, renanact? They try to renanact the whole thing. Whenever people try to renanact that thing, they always try to make it more glamour. They always try to make it, they try to polish it off, all the roughness. They try to polish off all the edges. They try to add a little bit here, add a little bit there, and make it become a superhero. And they never went to the history. They never live in that age. And that person can never come back. And if you're talking about that Alexander has a living in today, that become a joke. And the people were thinking that you're telling something that is a... Oh, that's an absolutely not true. Isn't that the same thing that what is the people living today? They try to make it Jesus Christ in the same way? Because they never say Jesus. They never experience Him. They never know His grace. And the life that Jesus lived has a living today never become a reality to them. So they try to take the history God and then make it as more fancier. Make it as more glamour and to take it away. All the roughness, all the wrong, all the edges of the way, I try to make the cross become a more easy to bear. And that's how this, uh, uh, you call it a lot of the television, uh, evangelists and all the different churches and they make it as more beautiful. They make it coming to the churches to the join the wisdom. They make it everything become so easy. You know, you just come and uh, have a coffee with us and uh, listen to about 20 minutes of the preaching, then go home, then you can go to heaven. That is what Hollywood has made. It's because, it's because it never, Christ has never become a reality to them. And you will find out that the people, if they not be careful, they will start to make it a message like that. They will start to make it a message, become a less offensive to people. And uh, instead of living in the reality, they try to go back to the history to pull out what a prophet did this, what a prophet did that. But the prophet's God is still the God today. What he did it 50 years ago, 60 years ago, God's still doing the same thing that are among us. And then if a people, they cannot see the reality. And they tend to make the word of God just become a history. And they tend to, and when they have some problem, it seems like they're defeated. 
Seems like they, uh, they come into a failure. Seems like the situation, they prayed and they prayed and they never got an answer. It seems like that they're going through the certain things and, uh, seems like they're in the, chun- uh, in the tunnel for so long, but they never got an answer. And then if a people not be careful, they start to tend to try to use, go back to the way that they've been familiar with and try to solve their problem. Instead of just uh, st- stick head along and to believe what is the word has said and waiting for God to come on the scene to make the historical God become a reality God to them. And that's what the people, when they are uh, having the problem, the people always try to find an easy road and try to uh, get out of uh, their difficulty. Or they try to escape. They try to find uh, the way to come out of that. And then there's uh, some, the other certain of the people, they tend to uh, cut and paste the word a little bit and make it as more smooth. So that it makes their situation or make it a working environment a little better. Or make their friendship or their relationship uh, a little more, a lesser offensive to people. And that's why, that's why, then if the person was doing that, they actually, they're living in the history and not living in the reality. But this message is still is the same. It still has to take the person, die to ourselves with Christ on the cross through the preaching of the word. That's still the good old gospel. Sinners still need to repent. And not a dry eye repent, but it's a, still that it's a sincere heart to repent. That's the way to salvation. Our children still need experience, a definite experience with the Lord. And not that there's a certain evidence, but it's a definite experience of the Holy Ghost. This is still the muster requirement that from the Lord. God's Word hasn't changed a bit. It may doesn't work for you for a while, but if you stick it into the Word, you stay with the Word, the Word will always manifest Himself to be the truth. When a person, when they're facing the reality, many times the reality makes them, oh, many times the reality is very cruel. To living just in the history and to believe it's just a historical God. And it's just like a playing in a movie. It doesn't cost anything. But when you come back to the reality, to make the word become a real, to that a word is really working in you. And by believing, confessing the word, and no matter in your work or in your schools or in your family, and to believe in what is the word of God said, and not try to, depending on what is the uh, psychological book has said, and not try to, depending on what is the man's idea has said, that is a reality. And that is a very brutal, actually. That it costs you a lot of things. But when person even not be careful... And if they try to just live in the history, and they try to just make it across a little more easier to bear, and then they tend to just withdraw themselves and back to the corner. And it's not because of they don't want to, 
But because of the pressure of the work, pressure in their job, or pressure in the life, the tension, the opposition they're facing. And it makes it that people, they would rather to go back to the delusion instead of to live in the reality. By facing it, by living for what is the word of God has said, even I didn't fail that, even there is no emotion telling me if this is going to be over or not. But if the word of God has a promise of that, I'm going to stuck through with it. A person when they are, that's why you find out that the people, you, you, you saw that the people, they try to escape instead of facing the reality. Instead of facing the reality, they try to escape from the pressure. Some people, they cannot even face it. They want to commit a suicide. Why? It's because they don't have experience with the true, real God. It's not just because of emotion, this and that and that. They needed a personal experience with the Lord. You might save them once, but you cannot save them all the time. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can save that person from that. And then the person, they try to escape from the pressure. And they have many ways. The devil will give you many ways that you to escape the pressure. He lets you find excuse. He lets you later, lead all that uh, for the duty to the ministry or to your parents or to the family. And even some people, they said, oh, I would take the responsibility. This is what I did. And you know, I would take the responsibility. But you cannot even take the responsibility. And a person even that take responsibilities, and I can do it. I can go through this. But then they will find out that they start to live in a depression. Their condemnation from the Satan. Then it just overwhelmed them. And then finally, they find no way to do it. They become a compromising. Then they go back to their history God again. And then the many people, when they try to escape from that, and they just hope that the things will be over. They just hope, you know, the things were getting better. And uh, the things were not getting better. You cannot just slip it out away. You cannot just hide your head in the sand and just hope, you know, the situation was getting better. Just hope the family situation or your children or whatever that is to getting better. You must face the reality. Say, Lord, this thing has come up on me. Lord, the situation has to rise up. By my own ability, I cannot do it. By taking myself, that I'll take the responsibility. I plug through this. That will not work. If I try to go to sleep and lay my head on the pillow, I cannot slip this other way. If I try to take a vacation, I try to go hide it myself away. This will not get out of the way. I must face the reality. Face the reality only have one way. Lord, your word has said so. I'm coming to the situation. Now it's not proof myself, but now it's to prove your word is the truth or not. Then you put God on the showdown. God every time will come on the scene. He's waiting for his people to lift the historical God into the reality. A person when they're facing their situation or whatever things that they will go through, they must be seeking that person, not just seeking a uh, knowledge, 
try to find a quote or find a scripture, maybe help you through. You must be seeking that person to make that scripture become a real to you. And then that scripture become a reality. He will let you go through every wave that you're encountered with. Things will not get any better until you face it with the desperation and the faith in God promised the word. That he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you. When we read out of scripture, when Elijah come on the scene, before that he went to uh, the city of Seraphah, and there's a woman, the widow woman, has been uh, taken care of him. And then uh, there's uh, the, the meal in the barrel is never shorted. The oil uh, in the barrel is never shorted. And the Lord did a miraculous work that supernaturally feed that woman. And I believe a God sent out of the prophet in this age is to give us a supernatural supply to pro- provide that in this hour. So that it's not just we depending on our ability and how much of skill that we have and how much patience that we have that, that we can cope through with this situation. More time, as the time's getting closer, you will find out you will need the supernatural God to in your every step that you step it out. In every corner of your life, you will need that supernatural God to be a reality to you. Your skill become more and more weaker and weaker that it cannot supply you anymore. You need that God to become a reality to you. And Elijah met that woman. That woman gave her whole heart uh, to the Lord and to the feet of the prophet. And that in that famine time, that she experienced the supernatural God to come on the scene. I believe there is a group of people that in this church, we do have a supernatural experience. And we have a face-to-face with what God has did. That in this hour, we have a face-to-face with God, and it has become a reality to you. But that's not to the people that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people, when the Elijah come out of that, then when the showdown come, Elijah come to those are Israelites to meet Ahab. And then Elijah came on to the people and asked them, how long hold you between two opinions? This people never saw the supernatural providence that Elijah the prophet has done. This people included that 7,000 people. They're plugging along. They're plugging through. But they never saw the prophet and make it a God reality to them. They never experienced what that widow woman has experienced. But this 7,000 people, they hide their head in the sand. If, uh, if that's a phrase to say. They're living in the famine. They're living in the pressure time. They're living, they're living in the evil time. That was so evil when the prophet asked them, how long are you going to hold between two opinions? These people keep silence. They don't say a word. Why? They never experience that a true God. But by faith, they still believe God. By faith, they still, they didn't bow to Baal. They didn't kiss the image of a Baal. 
They're plugging along, but they need God coming down to make Him a reality to them. So that they can say, Jehovah is the Elohim. Why they become like that? In book of Amos, in chapter 5, verse 12, it said, For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. When time becomes so evil, when life will become so pressure, when life will become so difficult, when devil's attack becomes so ferocious, when people's scornful become more unbearable, when the children start to become more rebellious, when a wife starts to become cold, when husband become a cold, when coming church become a, just become a tradition, when God years of the goal that it give you the first love become a dimmer and dimmer and dimmer because of the word, because of the job, because of the attack, because of the trial, because of temptation, because you stumble day after day, the day becomes so evil. Then those 7,000 people, it seems like the prophet was so far away. It seems like the voice of a God become unheardful. And they know God has done a great thing in the past. They know God done the things to other people. But it seems like God doesn't become a reality to them. But God said, I left to myself 7,000 people. Though time will become evil, though they cannot hardly say amen in the church, though they can again hardly to raise up their hand and to praise to the Lord, unless they feel they become a hypocrite. Because every time when they raise up their hand to the Lord and they say amen to the Lord, they come into the church to confess, and when they go out, they become a stumble, they become awake, then the devil knock on the back door and condemn them, accuse them. The second time, they dare not to raise up their hand then again. The 7,000 people. Because of the day becomes so evil. They dare not to step out for the promise of a God. They dare not to speak the word of a God. Whatever the Lord has said is the truth. They dare not to confess it. But God still said, I left to myself 7,000 people. They hasn't bowed to Baal. They hasn't kissed the image of the Baal. No matter what situation they go through, no matter what hardship they went through, they're waiting for the manifestation of a God, of a historical God, become a reality. They never lost their faith. They never lost their belief to God. They're just waiting for God to coming down. And God is a faithful. He never leaves them alone. Though the prophet Elijah never saw it, he said, I'm the only one, God. God said, no, 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 you're not the only one. I still left me 7,000 people there. I'm coming for this group of people. 
The widow have a supernatural providence. But there's a 7,000 people under the pressure of a life, under the tension of this age. They're still calling for God to coming down, make Himself a reality to us, Lord. That cannot be done by the education. That cannot be done just teach them the message. That cannot be done just by the devotion you tell them. You know, God is a God, God is a true. He never forsake us, He never leave us. He done this in the past, He done that in the past. People want to know what God done today. Is it still God today? Just that He's a God yesterday? He still answered our prayer? Is He still can heal? Is God still can deliver? Is God still can save our children? Is God still can unite and separate the family? They want to solve that God come on the scene. That's why God sent that prophet down. It's not that the people don't understand the grace of God. We got enough education can make it a theologian or make it the easiest to understand is by grace of God. We got enough message that we read. We got enough scripture that we read. We got enough preaching that we heard. We know it's by the grace of God. But it's the person must experience the, the grace of God. They must know that God's grace is still present today. Though I stumble, maybe I backslide and maybe I'm getting cold, but I want to know, Lord, I haven't crossed the line that the grace of a God still can call me back. If they are the seed of a God, there is a desire that is in them. If they are the seed of a God, what are we, our responsibility, no matter is it a ministry or no matter is it parents, is to wake up the desire. I know that you have the desire. You know that you have the desire. That's why you're coming to the church. That's why you listen to the message. It's not just to listen to the word. It's not just to listen to some intellectual things. The preacher might preach with the power. The preacher might preach with the ability, with the power of a God. But you can, by intellectual understanding, make that power become a tradition. But a, but a responsibility is to wake up that desire by the things that Elijah has did. That wake up that a desire, make them a come forth, that they speak what they speak. They said, the Lord is God. Right. It's to lift the God out of history. When they saw God coming, the God that was uh, in history become a reality, become a present God, that will wake up the people's desire for Him. We saw those people, Elijah said, they're halt between two opinions. The halt means, uh, I checked that uh, the original word. The halt means they're dancing around. The halt means that they skip it over. The halt means they're jumping from here to there. They cannot be sure. They said, maybe this is right. 
And after a little while to find out it's not right, then they jump in another, uh, maybe this is right. You know, then they jump in and find out it doesn't work either. Then you'll go back to that old religion again. They're jumping back in the force. They're dancing around. They don't know if this is the God of history or this is God today. So they're halting in two opinions. When you're not sure, you start to halting. When you're not sure, the halt also means limb. Lame or limb? Or limping around. When you're not sure, you become a dancing around, you become a here and there. Sooner or later, you'll, be, you'll find yourself become limping. Because you didn't put your feet on a solid ground. You cannot have faith when your feet was not on the solid ground. God never asks you to step out by faith if He doesn't provide you the solid ground. He doesn't let you jump off the cliff if there's nothing there to hold you. I wouldn't jump off the cliff. If I know there's a, if there is an ocean there that's waiting for me, if I don't know God is there, is waiting for me. I can only step out by faith when I know the next step I'm stepping on the solid ground. No solid ground is more solid than the promise of God has made. So when God asks you to step out by faith, He will definitely provide you the solid ground for your next step. He will send an angel to hold your feet in order that you not hurt yourself. So when He asks you, said, go do it by faith, is must be he provides you the promise of a God said so you just go out by faith to believe I healed you why because my word has said by my stripes that you already healed and it's a God responsibility to prove that you have this truth that in this hour and it was to tell you, said, this is the way. If you put your feet on there, just walk this way. I will see you through to the end of the time. So we find out that for a person to step out of my face, they must step on the solid ground. There's no solid ground that will reveal the word in that age. And when God, when Jesus asked us, them said, who do you see the son of the, uh, uh, the son of a man is? And Peter said, thou the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, blessed are thou Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And I see it also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Then he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has to give you the revelation before he asks you to step out by faith. He has to make himself become a more reality. Then he will ask you to make a decision. Choose ye today which you want to serve. 
He cannot let you to hold him between two opinions without giving you the confirmation, without giving you the truth, and to let you make a decision. That's not our God. And the halt also means Passover. The halt between the opinion. The halt means the Passover. That's the Pascal. It's like a Passover lamb. You find out of those two, uh, uh, those people that's halting in between the opinion. And then uh, those are prophets of Baal. They uh, start to... Uh, uh, when the prophet was uh, put them into the, to a showdown, then those the prophets of Baal, they start to uh, jumping around and they're dancing around and they use a knife to cut themselves. They use a lens to cut themselves until uh, the blood that a flutter spurred out of them. And those people that are there watching of that, and the Elijah, just as cool as, uh, as he can be, doesn't even make a move. Because he know who God is going to answer. And those people, they don't know. They're halting in between two opinions. Don't even, this is the true or that is the two. That is the true. They want to see which one can speak. The Lord that is speak, that is the Lord, that is the true God. And when those uh, people there are, uh, when those uh, the prophets, they were caught to themselves, and the till of the time, and that even the blood had come out of them, and there was no voice and nothing behind their sacrifice. Behind all their religious movement, behind all their sincerity, behind all the blood that they had been cut, but there was no voice that had come out of that. Those are priests, or the prophets of Baal, they're thinking their sincerity, or their self-affliction, or whatever that they have to do. They're thinking maybe their theology. They're thinking that might be the one can bring God down. And they made a sacrifice. They're cut to the bull and shed to the blood. And they do every ritual that just as Elijah has did, the same ritual, sacrifice of the blood and everything. But there's a no voice behind the blood. No voice is speaking forth. Though they have their own blood spurted out, but their own blood have a no voice coming. But Abraham said in the token, he said that the blood of his, the voice of his blood calls out against you. Now we also find in Hebrew, the 12th chapter and 24 verse, that the New Testament of the blood speaks a better thing. The blood is speaking. Then the blood has got a voice. And the voice of the blood is the word. He said, hallelujah, that's what make it, whether it's right or wrong. The word is identified by the voice of the blood. The voice of the blood is the Holy Ghost. That brings the life. It's the life and it brings the life to the word and quickens it. The blood of those prophets is only a life of those uh, man's life. But those life 
cannot do anything to those people. It has to be the life of a God that is behind the blood. Then there's that life that in the blood is speaking. But as soon as the prophet Elijah coming down, that when he was praying, though he prayed, that is a human voice, but God's fire coming down behind it, because the prophet is the carrier of the word of God. So the voice of the blood is the word of God. That's the voice of the blood. So when the prophet was speaking, that's a God-chosen vessel. When he spoke, it's not just a man spoke, but it's a God himself spoke. Then God coming down behind that to vindicate it, what he said is the truth. Then the fire coming down to say that this is my voice. This is not just a man's voice, but this is the voice of a God. But those men, no matter how sincere they are, they made a sacrifice to the dancing around. By sincerity, they're probably more sincere than anybody else. But a sincerity doesn't work. Sincerity doesn't speak. Even they're the human blood, no matter how much effort, or no matter how they try to dedicate themselves, that doesn't speak. They have no voice in that. But as the prophet, when he was doing according to the word of a God, said, Lord, I already done this according to what you have said. Then the voice coming behind it. Then the fire coming down to vindicate what he said is the truth. It has to be the voice of the blood. But it's not just a human blood, but it has to be God's own blood. And it's the life that in the blood that is speaking. And the brother said that the blood speaks. How can a chemistry speak? He said it's the life that's in the blood that does the speaking. He said a soul that was in Cain that cried it out or in Abel. It was the life that was in Christ that cries out better things than any. And then he said... We find out the blood does speak. It speaks in your behalf. The life that is in you speaks from the shed blood. What does that mean? When you receive the word, you receive the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because this is the bleeding, bloody word. When you receive the word with your whole heart, and then the life of Christ come into you, it's not you speaking anymore. But it's the God Himself speaking. And that life is speaking better things. That life is not a condemning, but that voice is the redeeming. As the crisis of the voice is not a condemning you, but a crisis of the voice that in the blood is a redeeming you. So if you receive the word that is in you, when you said that the word is not just a condemning, but your word is a redeeming. And you probably just see the normal word, just like anybody else is speaking. And you might be just seeing just an outsider, just the same as any other people. But because of the life is living in you, that life speaks better things than anything else. That life can save your children. That life might be doesn't coming from the mouth, but the life that you live is a Christ life. That life has a redeeming power in it. And that life speaks better things. 
He said, if you can see what it is, it's the life that is in you. See, the blood is identify you with it. It's the token. The blood that was shed for you, you have accepted and the life has come into you. You have the token. That's the Holy Spirit. So when the prophet, when he was coming, when he was saying, and uh, he was not just speaking his own word, but he's speaking God's word. When he's speaking of God's word, then it's not his own speaking. It's the word of a God spoken it out. Then the fire coming down to vindicate what he said to be the truth. And I'll say the blood is still speaking today. What it was speaking in the prophet's time, in Elijah's time, that is speaking in the brother Branham's time, and that blood is still speaking today, that in your life, that in my life. As brother Talmud is saying, it's Christ that's in you. It's Christ that is in me. What you saw is just on the outside of flesh, but it's not a real you. It's not a real me. The real you is the Christ that you have received. The real me is the Christ that I have received. It's not the life that will speak your children back. It's that life that will speak your marriage back. It's that life can save. That life can redeem. When the people saw the life that you live, that is the voice. Though their ear may not hear, but that they saw that this man has the life of a Christ in them. That speaks better things than anything else. It's that the blood that it speaks that it makes the people to recognize that God is still God. He was a God yesterday, that He's a God today. When those people, they're halting, halted in two opinions. They're waiting for that and manifesting. They're waiting for the God to coming down to speak to them. So when the prophet, when it come, when he speaks a word, they recognize it. And the fire coming down to vindicate it, that it's the truth. And then they said, the Lord is God. Amen. I think that the people, when we're a soul, how the Lord has manifested Himself in the prophets of ministry. And remember when I first saw that, I was kind of thinking, that is a bizarre. How that can be? How can we still have a prophet today? But when the Lord revealed that to me, and then when the Lord revealed that to me, it became a reality. Then I realized that God is still doing the same thing that He did 2,000 years ago. Then I gave my heart to the Lord. I said, the Lord is the God. I think many of us that we can confess that, can witness that. But you know, there's still people. They're not just waiting for, they're not just seeing what the prophet has did that is 50 or 60 years ago. They want to see the life, is that life that is still working today? They want to see if the prophet has done that 50 something years ago. I want to see God if he's still living today. If he's still doing the same thing that he did many years ago. 
then I want to assure you that God do do things that are still today. He still heal people. He still deliver people. He still to heal the people. He still heal Sister Frosin, isn't it? He still healed my father when it was many years ago, ten some years ago, only 150 people that have a disease that is still alive today. He still heal people. And he still by the spoken word can heal the people. He still healed my father just the last than one year or two years ago when it was a drop in the bus. And a head to drop onto the bus without a one trace of the burn damage. 81 years old. And the one was the bones of the breaking broke. And the one we prayed. And when we prayed to the Lord, and then the doctor see that he's healed. And then a few days later, when they go back to the doctor, and the doctor said, you are totally healed. What is it to tell us that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever? If God healed this, if God healed that, then God can still heal you, Brother Diaz. God can still heal anyone that is a God of sake. Why? God want to prove himself. So that 7,000 people said, the Lord is a Jehovah God. That he's still alive. Does God still save? Victor can testify that. Johnny can testify that. All the people that said have been saved, raise up your hand to prove that God still can save. You 7,000 people don't have your head in the sand. This is the witness here to prove that God still, that is the yesterday, today, and forever. If he can save one, he can save another. Parents, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. If he can do one, he can do another. He didn't send the prophet 50 years ago. He sent his word today. His fire is still coming down to prove it to you. The impossible situation can be burned out. God created an impossible situation. He did a prophet and said, bring the 12 barrel of water, pour it on the sacrifice, pour it on the wood, pour it on the trench. God said, I will create impossible. I created impossible because I'm a God to working on the impossible. Why do that? Because I left myself 7,000. They need to see this. They need to see the impossible situation can be solved, but all things are possible, only believe. Does God still deliver? If Nathan Hunt is here, he can testify to you. God still deliver. Does God deliver? My father-in-law, he has been smoking since he was a, he was a teenager. And then when he come to Canada, that's the year 2000. And my wife and I were thinking, what are we going to do? Every time I go to my father-in-law's house, his house is like, like a London fog. 
I almost had to feel my way to get her to the room. The one match, the smoking from in the morning to before he go to sleep. And I talked to my wife. What are we going to do? My wife said, "Should we buy a cigarette for him?" I said, "You must be joking." I was a new believer, but I was not that new. I said, "No." I said, "We pray." I said, "The daddy want to watch TV." I said, "Let's pray." Lord can do anything. Yeah. I don't want my father-in-law to step on the landing in Canada and he never smoke once. Amen. The other day I asked my father-in-law, how did you get rid of that? He said, I even brought a one carton of cigarettes with me. He said, as soon as I come out over here, I get rid of one pack. Today I get rid of another pack. He said, before I know it, I threw off all the pack of cigarettes. He said, I don't even have a desire to smoke. Does God deliver? God do deliver. The other day, my mother-in-law, she got a penfold in her knee. She can't even walk. She's eighty-some years old, and she was so painful she cannot walk. She cannot move her step. And one time, she was with my with my father-in-law go to take the bus to the mall, and she was walking. She just can't walk anymore. Then she stopped there. She prayed. She said, "Lord," she said, "This is not glorifying you." And she said, "Lord, how can you get glory from me limping around?" He said, "You can." He said, "Lord, the devil always make it humiliate you, not me." He said, "Lord, I'm going to believe you. You're going to cast out that demon." And then he was walking, limping, and walking, limping. Before he knew it, he walked back home without a pain at all. Does God deliver? God still deliver. You seven thousand head your head in the sand. Wake up! He still deliver. He delivered yesterday. He delivered today. You're the one thinking that you have to go outside of the world to get a testimony. Does God keep? Yes. He's still keeping. Yes. You said I born in a message. I must go. I must go out to the world. Come back. I saw that against them testimony. That's the lying spirit of a devil. Yes. You don't have to do that. He still keep you. Yes. Just that he keep Nathan. He keep charity. He gave a David more. He gave a David a degree. He gave all of you people. How many can raise up your hand and say, "God is still keeping"? Yeah. Have you wake up? You seven thousand. Devil tried to tell you you're a hypocrite. Devil tried to tell you, you come to the church, you raise up your hand, you're happy, you everything is fine. You go back, you're depressed. You're not a hypocrite. Of course you're depressed. Who can live in the world without a depressed? <laughs> to look at all these naked women and different things that happen. I come to the church happy. Of course I'm happy. How can you explain I'm not happy when I come to the church? 
I'm not holding to between two opinions. I'm just holding between two worlds. I'm not holding between two opinions. My opinion is I'm a believer. I believe in the word of a God. I give my heart to the word of a God. But it's a world that hasn't been taken away yet. I'm just holding between two worlds. You're not a hypocrite. Don't let the devil lie to you. Then you come to the church one time, you raise up your hand and go back because you fall. You dare not to come back to raise up your hand again. Come back, raise up your hand. Say, Lord, I believe you. Every word is the truth. You're not a hypocrite. You young people, listen to me. You're not a hypocrite. You come into the heavenly place, enjoy yourself. Even you go back, you fall, come back again. You just hold between the two worlds. But don't you hold between two opinions. God has made himself real to you. Does God keep? Michael Andy can tell you God keep. Victoria Andy can tell you God kept. Louise, you can tell God kept. Chair Grace, agree. God can tell you. You can tell God. God is the keeping power. He's not just save. He's not just a deliverer. He also keeps you. Don't let the devil lie to you. Absolutely. How long? Hold to between two opinions. God do all of that to let you know. He said, I left myself seven thousand. They haven't bowed. They didn't kiss. I told you I'm under uh, weather. Actually, I'm under big weather. A few days ago, I was just so sick, sick as a dog. At a night, I come, I woke up. I cannot even breathe. And I, I was so sick, and I, I, I tried to walk to the. I walk out of the bed. I couldn't even walk. Then my wife woke up, and she saw me that way, and she just hold me to the bathroom. Then I clapped there. I just were barely, barely hear my wife tell me, "You have no pulse. You have no pulse. Is it pulse? Pulse. She can't even feel my pulse. I, I still have a conscience, but I just don't." I can't even lift it on my head. I collapsed in the bathroom. And then I was just, my, I got soaking wet. My, my wife also almost had to drag me back to the bed. And then, uh, then I got a, I think I overworked myself. I tried to be a perfect Murphy. <laughs> so I have a Bible study on Friday and then, then the Sunday I go to Seattle and it was a cold, uh, I was sweating and and I uh, come back. I just don't feel uh, right. 
And then I said, I'm just get over it. So I went back to the church. I do the recording. I record on Tuesday. I record on a Wednesday. And I think I overworked. And on a Thursday, I just just passed out. And then on a Thursday morning, when I woke up, and my wife, she was pacing back and forth. God bless my little wife. And she, uh, then she decided, she said, I'm going to fast. Because the Lord gave him scriptures that this type of a devil, if you don't fast, they won't come out. And then I was really sick. And then I started, I'll tell you how sick. I, tell, I even texted to Brother Tom. I said, Brother Tom, I don't think I can take the service on Sunday. I said, I'm just sick like a dog. I feel like I hit by the truck and a big one. And then I text him. <laughs> and Brother Tom texts me back. I know he's joking, but he said, Brother Murphy, you have to stop to putting your head out of the window and try to get sick. <laughs> I told you clearly that I have no mercy. No mercy to the preacher, but I have a lot of mercy to the people. I know he was joking. And then my wife was just there. He was pacing back and forth. And then all of a sudden, and I was lay on the couch. I can't even open my eye. My wife came over to me very seriously. She said, I'm going to pray for you. I said, sure. And then uh, my wife laid hands on me like a Pentecostal woman preacher. <laughs> and then they laid hands on me. First time I ever saw her so shouted. And she screamed out. She said, Satan, my husband is a servant of God. I'm a wife of the servant of God. He said, Satan, you come out of him. It's been a long time since people cast demon out of me. And I look at my wife like a statue of liberty after I woke up. <laughs> I look at her, I said, in my heart, I said, you know what? Lord, that's exactly right. The demon tried to stop me. I cannot let him just trample on me. I preached about you're a mighty healer. I preached about that by your stripes and I am healed. I preached that you are delivered. Then I said in my heart, Satan, I said, I'll take you for a ride. I, I learned it from Brother Milko. I said, I'm not a caring of what you do. I said, I'm going to sleep you off of my back. So I go back and I, I want you to sleep. And you know, the second day when I woke up, I feel I'm like a superman. I don't feel one bit of a sick. I don't feel the one thing, nothing. All the claps, all the weakness, all the this and that, all the fever, and all the everything's gone. If God can use that a woman less than a hundred pounds and to pray for me and cast that demon out, what about the word of a God in this hour? When you believe, when you believe every word of a God is the truth, He will cast every demon out of every person. If you want to. God said, I let myself. 7,000 people. 
that hasn't bowed, that hasn't kissed the image. You students who go to the university, you think you go to the hell, you are. I'm not trying to get you out of the hell. I want to encourage you to make the hell opposite down. You want to hear the conversation between demons? Let me dramatize it a little bit. One day the head demon of the BCIT called a conference, called all the high demons from UBC or SFU, UV, TWU or whatever the name of the college or Quantum or they called all the head demons together. They said we got to do something. The BCIT head demon said, I got some boys that come from CBW. And some girls come from CBW. The head demon of SFU said, what do you mean CBW? They said, oh, Cloverdale Bible. Oh, don't mention that name. <laughs> Even to mention that name, I'm my headache. He said, what's the problem? He said, well, okay, tell me your problem first. The head demon of BCIT said, you know, those boys has come to my college. Because I know that anybody that coming from a CBW it always causes trouble. So you know what I do? I'll just give all these boys to you to go to SFU. The head demon said, don't you do that. I already got enough trouble here. He said, you have the same problem? Said, yeah. He said, do you remember the JM? Who's the JM? Jean Manazi? Oh, yeah, I remember it clearly. That guy is a troublemaker. I have all my children, Stephen, Lillian, Jemai, and Tash. We'll talk about Tash. That is even more headache. There's a guy called DK. I came over to the school and grabbed her away. I even got a son, K, whatever. Who knows what that son going to be? Probably just like his father. They caused more trouble in my college. I never want to trouble anymore. And there's a one guy called a DF that doesn't even belong to SFU. And he's just slipping in like a spy, Daniel Florence. <laughs> and take all my children away. I thought I for sure I got them. But somehow, they turned the hell upside down, making my life like living in hell now. He said, I don't want more trouble anymore. Keep it to yourself. And the BCIT head demon said to the head demon of UBC, he said, what about you? He said, me? Oh. I got a 3H. Who is that? The OH, the JH, the NH. You know what I'm talking about? 
He said, you know what I try to do? I try to give them a good mark. Why you give them a good mark? Because I want to get rid of them. <laughs> Just tell them a kid peaceful coming to this university. You know, get a good mark. Get out of here. You don't bother me. I don't bother you. And the BCIT said, you know what I do? I give them bad mark. So I can drive them out of my school so that they never come back to my school anymore. I got all these troubles. You know what God is doing? God said, I left myself 7,000 people. You think that they're in the hell. And look at what John Manasseh did. Look at what Daniel Florence did. They're coming to the hell. And literally turn the whole hell upside down. Why are you afraid of hell? But hell afraid of you. I'm not trying to encourage you try to go to hell. If it's because you are in hell, you might as well just turn the whole hell upside down. You don't have to hold into opinion, but you're holding into world. When you're holding in the two world, when you make up your mind, oh, I forgot a TWU, the Trinity Western. Is that we try to convert them? Because yeah, we're under the name of the Christian University. But they don't follow, they don't bow, and they don't kiss. They just come to the university, they just study, and they'll go home. That VA. Then all of them that are sharing Gindo, and all of them, does God still keep? God will not only just keep by keeping them by the skin of their teeth, but God sending them right down to hell said, I send you there. You're not only just a study over there, you become a testimony. You become a witness to prove, to testify to the people that God still sent yesterday, today, and forever. God won't send you to the place that you are not going to be overcome from that. He sent you over there to be a testimony. To be a lighthouse. You're not just going there to study. You're there to be an example to the people. He said, I left the 7,000. They haven't bowed. They haven't kissed the image. But you said, I seem like I didn't get overcoming life. I seem like I didn't live a victorious life. You're falling into the category of the 7,000 people. Still halting in between two opinions. And I trust by the service, by the preaching of the word, by the message of this hour, has it proved to you God had a delivering power? God has a keeping power? And God has a coming down in this hour, in this age, to show to you, I'm still God, answer by fire. I'm still God that approve of myself. It was the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to be afraid. I know the pressure that you went through. I know the, the tension that you go through. Not me. God said, He knows. He knows everything that you went through. 
But he also saw you. You didn't kiss. You didn't bow to the image. You didn't bow to the image of education. You didn't bow. You didn't kiss to the image of this world entertainment. You might be weak. You might be one through the difficulty. But you didn't kiss. You didn't bow. Then God said, I will send down my prophet Elijah in this last age. Then I will send the cloud of witness around you, encompass you, to tell you that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How I did it to that boy, how I did it to that girl, I will do the same thing to you. If I can save John Manasseh, I can save you. If I can let him start a revival, I will let you start a revival right in hell. It's the still same yesterday, today, yesterday, today, and forever. Let a musician come. That widow has provided need for the prophet. Now God sent his prophet to come down to the 7,000 that hold into a penny so that they will never be silenced anymore so that they can see the Lord is the God. He has approved time after time one occasion but another occasion to our people. I was thinking how many testimonies that we can show. How many witnesses, how many testimonies that we can show to the, the people. Let's not talk about the people on the outside. Let's just talk about ourselves. How many healings? How many deliverance? How many saving? Confirm that God is the Savior. How many can it prove that God is the keeping power? Time after time, what is the God doing? God shows us that He knows every situation that you went through. That He said He's coming down. He said, uh, smite the shepherd, scatter the sheep. But I'll turn my hand upon the little ones. Amen. Think about the things that we went through nine years ago. The upheavals that we went through. Seems like so impossible. Right. Look at today. Look at what God had done Hallelujah. in the last nine years. Yeah. You little children, you were there nine years old, eight years old, ten years old. Now you become adults. Right. How long? How long? You're going to hold between two opinions. You have witnessed that day after day, time after time, right. the Almighty God come on the scene. Amen. Do the things that is impossible. Right. To show to you, I'm still God. Amen. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we just say to Him, Jehovah is Elohim. The Lord is God. Don't halt into opinions. You have a past the time. We don't have a time even to halt into opinions. God doesn't say to rebuke you and try to say this, you're not good, you're doing this. He just said, I know you. I have left you for me. 
Though you're at a 7,000, though the times are evil, though the situation is difficult, though the temptation is strong, but I left you. You never bow to the Satan. You never bow to the world. You never kiss the image. You didn't run out of the world just to give it up. I have nothing to do. I'm not coming to the church. You're still faithfully coming. Still give yourself to the Lord. What are to prove? That to prove you are those people that is loyal holding to opinion. But God said, you are my people. I left you to me. Though you are the fallen in the category, you are the 7,000. But I left you to me. Now I'm coming down. I'm turning my hand upon you. Shall we stand? Is God making this thing's situation come to an almost impossible? Then He come on the scene. He made the situation like that. He make the thing make the things that seems like almost like impossible. You prayer after prayer, year after year, it seems there's no answer. God come down, so I'm answering you in a most unexpected way, in a most unexpected time. Do you love Him? I love Him with all my heart. As a show to me, one time after then another, show to us that He is a yesterday, same yesterday, today. And forever. So that you don't have excuse. To hold in between two opinions. You just hold between two worlds. But God had a good world coming down. To take you into that world. Into the heavenly realm. So that don't let the devil to tell you you're a hypocrite. You would enjoy your religion. Don't let the devil take the joy of your salvation another way. The devil is a liar. You come to the service. Enjoy the service. Raise up your hand. Say amen to the word. To confess that you are the believer. Even you're awake coming home. Even you stumble. Even the depression spirit started coming down. But Lord always give you the city of a refuge. So that you can let off the pressure. He's always faithful. Praise the Lord. Shall we sing a song? Uh, this is the day of Elijah.
expecting him coming. How wonderful it will be if tonight will be the day, will be the night of the rapture. That you don't have to go back to the UBC again, Joseph. And Orin and Nathan. I know you went to the hellhole. But you don't have to hold on to your opinions. Nothing can hold you into your opinions. You can become a witness. You can become an example. People may not say a word, but you know there's something different of this boy. You let go to Trinity Western. Don't you ever think that you're going to the Trinity Christian school. You're just going to the hellhole has a Christian crown on it. There's a nothing different. But you go there and be a testimony. You might not say a word, but a better life speak better things. The blood speak better because the end of the blood has a better life in there. It's not a better loser's life. It's a better life a land loser's life. It's not just a Western life, it's not a Pentecostal life, it's not a denominational life. But it's a better life more than anything that you can name of. That better life of living you can speak better things. Don't be ashamed of yourself. You're coming and saying, oh, my life is not as good as so and so. My life is not maybe in my ought to be. You still can be a testimony. Even you are your weakest moment, you can still be a testament of God. When Elijah went in the most weakest moment, he said, Lord, I'm the only one. The Lord said, don't you ever think of that. The Lord said, I left myself 7,000 hasn't bowed that hasn't kissed the image of a bell. You're not just a weak vessel. You're the great army of a God. God sent his prophet down. God sent his word down. And he know you're the little one. But even the littlest one, still much, much bigger than Satan. Even just a halfway belief can cast out demons out of it. When you go to your school, whatever university you're in, whatever college that you're in, or high school or whatever that you're in, don't you think you're a weak vessel? Don't you think you go to that hell, try to, you have to be subject to that. You don't have to subject to that at all. You can turn a whole hell upside down. Just by the life that you live. Brother John, why don't you come over? Help us to pray. Brother John Manasseh. And to pray to prayer. And to dismiss the people. Don't dismiss you. That go back to go back to your little dark room get a depression. I'm dismissing you back home. To turn the whole hell upside down. To be a witness of a God. He knows every situation that we're in. Brother John. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, with all our hearts, Lord. Father, it was good to be in your house today, Lord. To know that, Father, in this season, Lord God, we're living in and people are busy going everywhere trying to get ready for this Christmas season, Father. But as your bride, we can be here in a secret place. Even as the brother team preached last week, Lord, in this secret tabernacle, Lord, where you're making your word known to us, Lord. Father, we're so thankful of the things that we can hear, Lord. Because you sent a prophet with a message, Lord. To open our eyes, Lord God, to see what we see in the Word. Father, how can we not thank you, Lord? How can we not rejoice when we come in the house of God and hear those words that we can hear, Lord? Precious eternal words, Father. 
In this world where people are hopeless, Lord. Where people are clueless, Lord. There's a little bride hidden somewhere where she can hear these words of God, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful, Father. Thank you, Father. I thank you from the bottom of my heart tonight, Lord. That I can hear these words, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for letting you, for letting me hear your word. As we were saying this morning, what have I done to deserve such glory revealed, Lord God? Lord, what have we done to deserve, Father, to see this mystery of the rapture, Lord God? To know the things that we know, to hear the words that we hear, to experience this life that we experience, Lord. To know this God that we know, Lord. Lord, it wasn't in our own efforts, Lord. Not that we are worthy of it, Father, but it was your grace in our lives, Lord. And surely we want to make sure to give you all the thanks and all the praise that you deserve, Lord. Thank you for inspiring our faith tonight, Lord. Thank you for challenging our faith to believe that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. Lord, for making your word real to us, Lord, that these 7,000 people that didn't bow the knees to bail can see Christ made real and take faith, Lord God, and take courage and strength, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Father, for Brother Murphy, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, that he could step up beyond this pulpit, even as the enemy tried to keep him down sick, Lord, because he knew there was a word prepared for a bride tonight that would cause trouble in his kingdom, Lord. And we've come and received, Lord, and we can get ready to say, Satan, we received what God had for us, and you failed. And now, Lord God, we take your word to heart, Lord, and we'll go on our way, Father, believing and living this life. For we've heard from the throne of God the mind that you had for us in this time, Lord. You're strengthened by the Murphy, Lord God. Lord, he's such a faithful servant, Lord God. As I say, he overworks himself, Lord, but I pray that you give him more strength, Lord. And continue to use him for, for your kingdom, Lord God, and for your glory. We love him, Lord. We appreciate his life, Father. I pray that you just strengthen the man of God, Lord. Lord, send us home now with your blessings, Lord. Which, with our faith strengthened, Father, we pray that you will help us to be alive wherever we go, Lord God. And Lord, help us, Father, to meditate on these words, Lord. And not to forget them as we walk out of this place. But Lord God, to meditate them, Father. And may you make them more real to us, Lord. Make your word more positive and more real, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Praise the Lord. Do you love him? Well, say the best thing you can say to the people that are around you. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you on a Wednesday.